You're listening to Radio MD. It's time to Ask Dr. Mike on Healthy Talk. Call or email to ask your questions now. Email Smith at RadioMD.com or call 877-711-5211. The lines are open. Oh, yes, my friend Bart Taylor. He's sending lots of questions in now. I need more Bart Taylors. All listeners, I need more Bart, Bart Taylors. Questions. Ask Dr. Mike Smith at RadioMD.com. All right, Bart, here we go. It seems everyone is saying how good green smoothies are for your health. I was just talking to a friend who said her son was always getting kidney stones. She couldn't understand why this was so, because he was so healthy and always drinking a green smoothie each day. I asked what he put in his green smoothie. She said, kale, Swiss chard, and spinach leaves. Can, can you comment on oxalates in the diet? That's ultimately what Bart's question is. And the reason he's asking that, Bart's a smart guy. He knows that kale, Swiss chard, and spinach leaves has a lot of oxalates, and I'll explain what those are, and that can be related to kidney stones. Uh, so can you comment on oxalates in the diet? There seems to be no positive effects from oxalates should diets be oxalate-free. If people are going to drink a green smoothie each day, what can one take to help lessen the chances of kidney stones? Okay, I like this. Good question, Bart. So here we got this uh, young kid. I don't know. I know we don't have any ages here, but a, a, a young a young man. It's good. He's drinking green smoothies. Let's encourage, hey, Bart, encourage the good behavior. It's good. There's nothing wrong with green smoothies. Of course, he's using kale, Swiss chard, and spinach leaves, which if you if you go online, Bart, and you look up oxalates in your diet or foods high in oxalates, probably the first three are going to be kale, Swiss chard, and spinach leaves. So, the, so he's using, he's just using high, you know, high oxalate food sources for his smoothies. That's all. He just needs to mix it up a little bit. So for those of you who don't know, what's an oxalate? It's a, um, what's the, it's hard to explain. It's, okay, carbs are basically carbon and in, in, in hydrogen. Um, it's sugars, right, carbs. And, and they, can, they can become oxidized. Everything can become oxidized. Just oxygen exposure, basically. Things can become oxidized. And the best way to explain an oxalate, it's kind of like an incomplete oxidation. It's kind of like there's this chemical reaction that wants to happen with the carb, with an oxygen, and it only halfway happens. And it ends up, it's kind of like a side reaction. So for whatever reason, the oxygen and the carb, they get together, but they don't fully get together. The carb doesn't become fully oxidized, and it forms this oxalate. They're very common. They're all over nature. Apparently, there's a lot of incomplete oxidation reactions going on with sugars. That's what it is. It's found in animals. It's found in plants. Um, and then other compounds, uh, other nutrients like vitamin C, for instance, um, can metabolize into them as well. Vitamin C, which is an antioxidant, right? It gathers up all of these oxidizers, these free radicals. Vitamin C will bind to them. Right, uh, taking on that burden, and then when vitamin C breaks down incompletely, it forms oxalates. It makes sense. A lot of antioxidants that we use can eventually metabolize into oxalates. Okay, I don't know how else to explain an oxalate. It's hard. It's not easy, but it's just incomplete oxidation of a carbon, and it's found all over the place. 
Um, so uh, the oxalate in and of itself is not something you want. It's a metabolite of an oxidation reaction. You don't want it. Um, in in moderate to low amounts, it doesn't hurt you. It's not going to do anything. Higher amounts, it can form stones. Okay? That, and the way it does that is, so the body wants to get rid of the oxalates, and the way it does that is it binds them to other things, like minerals, calcium. Uh, it can bind, They can bind to iron. And then they are excreted out of the urine. The problem is, if there's a whole bunch of these things forming, uh, the calcium oxalates, the iron oxalates and stuff like that, they can just build up and form larger crystals, eventually stones. And then now it hurts to get rid of them. The more oxalate, the more crystals, basically stones. And that's what's happening to this uh, this young young man, Bart, is he's, he's using in his his green smoothie which is great i applaud the effort he's just using the highest um he's using food sources that are the highest in oxalates so um i don't i i don't think you have to eat um an oxalate free diet i don't even think that's possible i i think because they're found all over the place i think it's more just about controlling it a little bit so you know I, I i again i applaud the green smoothie but maybe change it up a little bit maybe take out one of the or, or change it up a little bit maybe one time use kale swiss chard and some fresh fruits or something i just mix it up a little bit decrease the oxalate load that's all you got to do if people are going to drink a green smoothie each day what can one take to help lessen the chances of kidney stones? You just mix it up a little bit. I think that's the best answer, Bart. I, I you know, it, for me personally, I, I, and I don't, I don't have any scientific, you know, proof of of this. But when people talk about, you know, smoothies and blending fruits and juicing that kind of stuff, I usually go with a three to one ratio. So three vegetables to one fruit, and maybe the three vegetables, two can be green and one needs to be a different color. I don't know. That way, maybe because it's the deeper, darker greens that are going to have the more oxalate. So, a fresh fruit, two dark greens, and a yellow. Maybe, maybe, maybe that's a good uh, way to make a smoothie. But I, I don't think there's any um, actual formulation uh, there or, or any science to that. But a three to one ratio when you're making smoothies and just switch out the dark greens with a different color. Okay. Thanks, Bart, for your questions. I already, always appreciate uh, uh, your questions. They're always very thought-provoking. Okay, next one is from a guy named Ralph Bennett. If collagen can't penetrate skin... Oh, this is... Okay, I, uh, I know where he's going. Ralph is referring to a segment I did on um, how to build collagen in your skin. And, I, and I'm not a big fan of collagen and creams and stuff like that. As a matter of fact, I think it was a, another question from a listener. Should I buy face creams, face moisturizers with collagen? Does it really work? And I said no. And I said collagen isn't really going to penetrate in the skin. So here's Ralph's question. If collagen can't penetrate the skin, why does Retina-A and Minoxidil penetrate for hair loss treatment? Okay, so I think the question really, Ralph, is why do some things absorb into the skin and not other things? <laughs> I mean, I think that it's just the way things are formulated. It's the way things come in nature, fattier things. Lipids, phospholipids, phytosomes, these are all fatty things. Uh, hormones, hormones on the skin work great because they're fatty. The skin brings in fattier things better. Collagen's not fatty. Collagen's a protein. It just doesn't absorb well. I mean, I guess you could try to formulate 
a face cream with collagen if the collagen is surrounded by a fat. And there is research looking into those kind of formulations where you take something that doesn't absorb well, either through the gut or their skin, and you wrap it in something that does. One of the things that we're, we're researching here at Life Extension are phytosomes. These are fat-like sacs that absorb well in the skin, scalp, stuff like that. And so maybe you wrap the collagen in a phytosome. I don't know. I mean, that, that's, so, so you have to help the collagen absorb through the skin. It's not fat. Now, I, I, so specifically, Ralph, you're asking about retina-A and minoxidil. You know, these don't really relate to collagen in skin for me. They, you're right. They are hair loss treatments. Um, by the way, retina-A doesn't cause hair growth, hair regrowth. It, it helps to increase circulation to bring nutrients to the follicle. As a matter of fact, that's how we think minoxidil works as well. These are things that just increase blood flow. They do penetrate. The vessels dilate, you get more nutrients to the follicle, and the hair grows a little bit better. Um, but ultimately, collagen doesn't penetrate because it's not a fat. And, and, and if something does penetrate, it, it has some fat to it. Retinol, uh, retinol A is based on retinoic acid, which is a fatty type of a compound. So anyways, there you go. Maybe we got to wrap collagen in a phytosome. I'm going to check into that, Ralph. Maybe, maybe there's some money to be made there. I'm just kidding. All right, this is Healthy Talk on Radio MD. I'm Dr. Mike. Stay well. 